passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. As the doorbell rings, we welcome you to Rewind a Raw. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, who is joining us as always, as you and I always do. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. Back. We are back. Uh, another week here at Post Wrestling. How are you doing? I am doing. I'm doing all right. Is this a new addition? To, I I feel like your wardrobe is my latest uh, observation. Is this hmm. shirt a new one? Is this an oldie but a goodie. This, this is, is a Curry-sponsored shirt of some sort. You always have the most interesting shirts. Can you tell it's us a, about the story about this one? It's a cup noodle shirt. Yes. Curry cup noodle shirt okay. from Uniqlo. And I've had yeah. it for a long time. I've had it for years, actually. Have you worn it before on, on a show of ours? I'm pretty sure I have. The yeah. noodles are going into your into your pocket. Yeah, breast pocket, which is yeah. very clever. It's like there's new noodles going down. It's a very, yeah. it's a very uniquely designed shirt. It's very eye catching. It's a shirt that it almost demands somebody ask you a question or two about. I bet you've never been asked about this shirt when you have ever worn it before. I mean, no, no, I've had, I've had a lot, a lot of compliments about it from people who recognize what cup noodles noodles are. So, I uh, first time I've been asked on a wrestling podcast about it. Yeah. Well, maybe Way is going to wear that specific cup noodle shirt on Saturday, November the 19th, when post-wrestling turns five years old. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Have you, de- have you decided what you're going to wear? No, not at all. Um, a suit? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Are you? Are you no. going to bring a suit? I'm not going to wear a suit. I don't no. think so either. I don't think it's that type of – I don't think we're that type of podcast. We're definitely not that that kind of podcast, but you are that type of listener that may want to be joining us. Uh, our five-year anniversary show, which is brought to you by our, our friends at Real Digital, who are the brains behind this operation. It is happening Saturday, November the 19th. We have a star-studded lineup that is going to be there in attendance. And way I'm getting messages by the day of people in the post-world coming from all points of the globe. Uh, working on securing yet another fly-in for this show. So more on that to come. But joining us, Braden Harrington, Davey Portman, W.H. Park will be in the house and adding his name to the mix. Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. He will be there at QXT's nightclub Saturday, November the 19th for the post five-year anniversary special. 
I, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's going to be a, a bit of a family gathering, I would say. And, and a lot of people were actually meeting for the very first time. So I'm very excited for that. We figured this out last week. This will definitely be the, the largest gathering of post members in one place at one time, which is going to break the record, I think, of last week. Correct. Absolutely. So tickets are on sale now, postwrestling.com slash live. You can get the uh, general admission that gets you access to uh, the pre-show with Braden and Davey and our full Q&A show. And then we have VIP tickets available that will leave you with a special event t-shirt that you can get there on site and access to our meet and greet that we will be holding after the show. And you can hang out with your your favorite uh, post members. Everyone will be flocking to WH and uh, I will just be sitting there awkwardly <laughs> sipping a water. Uh, yeah. And also VIP tickets are going really fast. We only have a few of them left. So um Make sure you get that right now. A hot ticket. That is uh, going on for sure. Uh, We won't uh, spend too much time plugging uh, all of the stuff at the site, but I do want to mention for post-wrestling cafe members, and it is always a great time, no matter what time of the month, to join the post-wrestling cafe. Uh, We do have Rewind Away this week, but because Dynamite is happening on Tuesday night, uh, Way and I will be doing Rewind to Dynamite Tuesday and therefore push Rewind Away to Wednesday. And this week, we are going back. It's our oldest review that we have done in the Rewind Away era. We are going to October of 1983, the WWF at Madison Square Garden for a WWF show at Madison Square Garden 1983. This is a collection of some very interesting matches, but a very, very famous one between Don Morocco and Superfly Jimmy Snuka. It's a very famous, I will say famous uh, image, famous spot involving Jimmy Snuka leaping off the cage. We will talk all about uh, that rivalry as well. Bob Backlund defending the WWF title against masked superstar and a collection of others. Some of Way's favorites on this, Rene Goulet, Tony Gurria, they are all uh, part of this ensemble that we are going to be reviewing. A 1983 WWF card that will be coming out this Wednesday for Post Wrestling Cafe members. One of the oldest shows I believe we've ever reviewed on one of our reviews. So this will be a chance to discuss something that I don't know how um, many people are even have ever sat down to watch. So I'm kind of excited for it. Yes. Um, we will also have a WH and Rich Fan back this week for a special edition of MCU Later. That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, they're reviewing Werewolf by Night, which is the sort of like a you know one shot type of thing that Disney Plus has been doing. This is a very uh, uh, horror based, classically horror based special that um, Disney and Marvel recently released, and Rich and WH will talk all about it. And then we also have Rewind to SmackDown, and Saturday we'll have coverage of Halloween Havoc as well as UFC 280 uh, for post shows uh, coming up. So the whole schedule is up there at postwrestling.com. Yeah, just a quick note in addition, because I failed to mention it last week, but we have the latest edition of Postmarks that's up there right now. This one profiling the Postmaster himself, Robert Brocky. Uh, those of you who remember when we, five years ago, you know, left our old jobs, um, we started uploading our shows onto archive.org, which is essentially just like a Wikipedia of like, you know, uh, audio, you know, anybody can upload up there. So this man took it upon himself to put it all on an RSS feed. He's been archiving our uh, old re- review aways um, ever since. And beyond that has just been um, pretty much like the guy that we work with exclusively to a behind the scenes MVP in post wrestling history. To create our website, you know, anything to do with the forum and and anything we've been trying to negotiate with, like, you know, um, 
ads and all that. He is the man. Um, his name is Robert Brocky, and he is profiled on this week's edition of Postmarks with Bruce and David. Learn all about how he got involved with us as well as his own fandom in professional wrestling. So you can find that out for free right now. Patreon.com slash post wrestling. And one final note. This Thursday, it's the return of the wellness policy uh, where this month uh, you guys are going to be discussing Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, uh, a full hour based on that and their relationship, of course. No, it is a podcast. It is my return to the wellness policy, and we thought it was an appropriate time to uh, try to discuss the very broad topic of fatherhood. So, of course, I'll be joined by Neil Flanagan and uh, Jordan Goodman. But most of all, will be joined by Scarborough dad himself. Wow. Mike Murray will be joining us to talk all about it. So he's, uh, you know, he's a, a father of, I think, how old are his, his kids at this point? Do you know, John? Oh, I don't know the exact ages off the top. They're a little bit older, you know, so we have the perspe- perspective of somebody I, I strongly consider a veteran, somebody who's given both of us very good advice about fatherhood. I'm somebody who's just entered into it. And then uh, Jordan and Neil will get their perspectives too. people who have had fathers and we'll be talking all, all about it from all angles. <laughs> yes, so, they've um, had fathers. So you have all angles covered. Exactly. So I, I always look forward to the conversation and hope you guys will join us live 3 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be available for everybody. Uh, I'll post a link on social media sometime Thursday and all of you post wrestling cafe patrons will get it directly in your mailbox. Okay. That is everything, folks. That is all the stuff we're working on 24 hours a day, seven days a week that keeps the post-wrestling world spinning. But we will now get into the news of the day. And there is quite a bit of it today. Uh, Absent from Raw tonight was one Paul Levesque with uh, PWInsider.com first reporting uh, that Paul Levesque has tested positive uh, for COVID-19. And this coincided with uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard was not scheduled to be uh, at Raw on Monday. Uh, He had uh, reportedly booked some time off. So it was Road Dog as the point person uh, going around on uh, Monday night. So, Way, I can say that on this date of uh, October 17th, uh, myself and Paul Levesque uh, share something in common. Oh, okay. Is this your announcement? We were we were both not at Raw, and both of us are dealing with COVID. That Ugh. it is, it has finally found me. Yeah how how um how do you feel? I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's it, it's definitely been a uh, not ideal. I, w- I will say I've just been uh yeah I tested positive on on Saturday, so I've just been uh, my energy has been been drained. It just feels like the flu essentially. So I, mm-hmm. I don't feel I have uh, the worst of it. So um, but yeah, it's uh it hasn't been fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, of course. To, um, but I'm I'm also um, grateful that you've decided to continue to to work, and you know, I'm also grateful that we have the type of job that allows us to work remotely. Um, and you know, uh, of co- obviously, Triple H is not able to have that same luxury. So yeah, if I showed up at your house, just knocking on the door, you probably would have pulled a firearm on me. So uh, yeah, <laughs> best to do it uh, remotely, as we we were thinking well ahead uh, pre pandemic. Um, but yeah, so uh, hopefully uh, a quick recovery for Paul Levesque. Uh, and, and you. And, and me too, but I don't know if anyone's uh, shedding a tear for me. Um, oh. on, on the WWE front, uh, we'll, we'll stay there. We'll talk more about Raw during the review. But uh, Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics reporting on Sunday's show that the day one premium live event is off the WWE schedule. And it looks like this is not going to be shifted to another date. And therefore there is going to be this pretty long gap by WWE standards between survivor series and Royal rumble with no, um, PLE in that 
two month uh, time span between the two shows. So WWE has not uh, officially announced this yet. I I don't even know if they will. But uh, this you know leaves them without a December or pre Royal Rumble show, way eh? and a pretty lengthy period in between major shows. Yeah, I have to imagine that they they might be thinking about adding something to the schedule, but. I mean, maybe they just could it be possible that they'll just consider it as like, you know, a holiday period um, of, of lesser activity, uh, perhaps. Why, why do you think they canceled it this year? I mean, it, it could be like a number of factors of what is going on that weekend in Atlanta. This would have fallen on a Sunday. Um, so they would have been running um, Sunday, which is a night of the week that they uh, are slowly, it seems like, trying to move away from. It seems just based on this past year that the Saturday night shows have been a pretty good night for them. I don't think this has been a difficult transition, moving people from Sundays to Saturdays. Um, but of course, that weekend, New Year's Eve is not a night you want to be running a a wrestling event on. So um I don't know what the, what this comes down to. I think that it, you know, in Atlanta, it was a show that um, by by the end they they drew all right once once they announced Lesnar and Reigns last year. If you remember, that was the show that they were going to do Reigns and Lesnar, and then Reigns got COVID, and that was the whole switch to Lesnar being inserted and and winning the championship on that show. But more so interesting the fact that this is just off. Uh, the calendar, and if it's not rescheduled anywhere, what they do with that excess time, and if that changes any kind of of their building towards the Rumble, because you have to be looking at it. If they were looking at shifting it another weekend ahead, then you're only a few weeks out from the Rumble. Like, what is the purpose of doing this whole build towards day one and then having less time to build up the Rumble, which is your stadium show uh, in January? It'll tell tell us a lot about maybe what the um, requirements are for for the relationship with Peacock, you know, because for the WWE themselves, I don't think there's a ton of incentive, it seems, to specifically have to run a show in that slot. Um, But does Peacock require that that they do something? It's not the worst thing in the world to try to have two two months, you know, to to build to a big show, uh, give the audience a month off from, you know, one of these PLEs. But they can always just throw something together, you know, um, record a special uh, show somewhere for some some, you know, I don't know, a house show maybe and throw that up there. As, as I mean, you could special. you could certainly see like they're doing ha- Halloween Havoc this Saturday. You could certainly see NXT doing some kind of event maybe in that time period in between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. That would make sense. Sure. Yeah. Ratings from Friday. Friday Night SmackDown did 2,274,000 viewers and a .54 in the 18 to 49 demo. Um, They were number one among network programs. And we can go through the differences from last week. They were so minuscule that the... The bottom line is that this was largely unchanged from the week before, and this was the show built around Bray Wyatt speaking for the first time. So, um, you know, we saw what that number was back on September 23rd when the tease was there about Bray Wyatt showing up, and it spiked viewership to 2.5 million viewers. Um, What do you look at as Friday, Way? Do you think that the the curiosity around Bray Wyatt was more so the – kind of the, the chase of when he's going to be arriving. And once he was there, it didn't seem that this this moved numbers on Friday without seeing, you know, how his specific segment did. I, I suppose if, if you're looking at reasons, I, I can't necessarily see any other reason. I mean, I, I feel like 
Like I, I, I like put this whole was... number is attached to Bray Wyatt. I think that was yeah. the whole intrigue of Friday's show. I feel like there is a lot of interest in just seeing what he would have to say. I have to think if you'd be interested enough to follow all of these white rabbit things to the point where, I don't know, you might have tuned in for that one particular SmackDown based off of a few QR codes and teases. You would have been curious enough to stick around to see him speak for the first time after appearing. So um, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me as ratings usually don't for somebody like me. Um, that rating that day didn't necessarily make sense to me either. Cause I mean, I think all signs probably did point to Bray Wyatt popping that particular one back in September. But even that one, I still at this point kind of find hard to believe that so many people would have been so, so in on, you know, something that was so organically built online. Um, what do you think, John? I mean, you can look at the fact that there was like baseball going on, but that was on cable. It wasn't on 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 network television. Like I, I wouldn't sense the, you know if there was this, this great uh, impact to, to SmackDown's number. I mean, it was a fine SmackDown number, but it just you know to me it was at least for Bray Wyatt's promo, um, and, and maybe there was an audience like there's just a little bit of. I won't say fatigue, but by the fact if you were caught up in everything at Extreme Rules, you tune in on Monday, he's not there. Maybe by Friday, some of it's dissipated uh, a bit in terms of your interests. Like, are you going out of your way? Um, yeah. It, over the I long haul, it's, it's, it's more about how much interest this character holds uh, because he's a key part of SmackDown. Yeah. I just, I just find it so challenging trying to, like, you know, decipher people's, like, viewing habits based off of these numbers you know it, it, and it, it could be a number of those things it, it, it could be something else that we're not even thinking about well we're going to continue it way because rampage uh did a great number by their standards on friday four hundred fifty-eight thousand viewers and a 0.17 in the demo so in the in the 18 to 49 uh demo they equaled what the two-hour average was for grand slam so if you throw out rampage or sorry if you throw out grand slam this would be their highest 18 to 49 audience since april um huge increase in 18 to 34 again equaling grand slam in that demo and it's uh, tying its highest since uh april so you know they were up uh, in the key demo up 26 percent in men up 20 percent in women um this was a show that it had john moxley on it that was something but i did not sense this number being uh anything special but in 18 to 49 this was uh a very, very good number. And on top of that, um, this is a fair like cable to cable comparison. They were up against the Major League Baseball playoffs on Friday night. They were also up against a college football game and an NBA preseason game. So it's not like this was an easy night either for Rampage. So um, for all the, um, I would say, um, bad news that Rampage has had over the last couple of months. Uh, this was a strong sign for, for Rampage, at least for one week. So clearly, people's contracts at stake in two-minute matches, a game-changer on Friday nights. Must be, yeah. So whatever they did this week, I'm sure they'll continue to repeat it, which means... Um, um, I was very surprised uh, by this number. I didn't I see know, anything dude. on that Friday show that was going Sean to Sean Spears, be, that's it. I mean, that's... That was someone returning, and uh, he can take as much credit as anyone else on this show for, for that. I mean, they could do this exact same show or, like, you know, something of the same caliber next week, and I, 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 I don't know if ratings will necessarily be the same. Like, this shit is not, to me, ever guaranteed. And I, I just ultimately... <laughs> I don't know how much we could read into some of these, you know? It means the like gates a, of agony have been redeemed after Battle of the Belts. Uh, sure, there it is, yeah. 
Let's uh, focus on Tuesday night, and there was there could be a potential issue for Dynamite because tonight's uh, Yankees Guardians game uh, ended up. Uh, being uh, rain delayed and ultimately the game was postponed. So now it will start at 4.07 p.m. on TBS. So they have four hours to play this game before Dynamite. So they should be able to get this game done in time. But with a live sporting event, you can never guarantee anything. So that's something to be mindful of on Tuesday afternoon, as I'm sure NXT will be cheering for extra innings or a rain delay. Yeah, we were promised a, a war, you know, Tuesday night war. The war I mean, could get rained out. Ugh. Okay, well, we'll be waiting. All right, uh, wrestling fans. Will, well, Tony Khan will be uh, watching the Yankees and Guardians, I'm sure, to find out what is happening. Uh, but should everything go go ahead, these are our lineups for the Tuesday night um, sh- shoulder contact that they will have. NXT will have Elba Fire against Sonya Deville, Roxanne Perez against... Uh, Rhea Ripley, Cora Jade against Roxanne Perez, Cameron Grimes with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson against Joe Gacy, Rip Fowler, and Jagger Reed. Jagger Reed. And then Channing Lorenzo uh, will take on an opponent of Tony D'Angelo's choosing. So we have yet another mystery person uh, on this show. And then Dynamite counters with Moxley and Hangman for the AEW title. Jericho against Dalton Castle for the ROH title. Tony Storm against Hikaru Shida for the women's interim title. Death Triangle against Best Friends and Orange Cassidy for the trios titles. An interview with William Regal. MJF will appear on the show. And Renee Paquette's sit-down interview with Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta happening on TBS. To me, it's one of those Dynamites that, that does feel special. You know, maybe um, unlike some of them that, that have taken place, certainly more than the one that was um, advertised in Toronto, as as big as that felt to us personally. This feels like it's one that I can see a lot of people maybe, you know, make, making the time to, to go out and watch. But I also feel like NXT will likely benefit from some of the added, you know, uh, press that this whole Tuesday night head-to-head thing might might give them. Um, of course, they are the ones sticking with that time slot uninterrupted. Um Dynamite has to ask its audience to move over on a Tuesday, but they've got a really strong card. Um, I think overall, you might see improvements for well uh, for NXT and Dynamite. What would you estimate, like do you, you know, for a show like this, better or, I, I, or worse than average? I think that the, I, I don't think they're going to do um, what they would do for this lineup on Wednesday night. I think it'll hurt them somewhat on on Tuesday night. Um, I do see them uh, like I, I don't see NXT coming close to them in, in, in the demo uh, overall viewership. Uh, it it could be close, but I I sense Dynamite is going to be ahead in, in that category as well. Like this is a, this is a pretty built up show of of Dynamite with these title matches and like Moxley and Jericho having singles matches and MJF on the show. I think those are all pretty big segments. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's any competition like, you know, about which one will, will beat the other head to head like Dynamite to me is just so far, far ahead these days. But I'm just curious to see, like, if NXT will benefit at all from it, like improving upon their average and how moving nights will affect Dynamites. Yeah. Um, Tales from the territories. They're the ones that are might might take might take that one on on the chin on Tuesday night going against both of these. It's on the AWA on on Tuesday night. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the final story is that uh, coming out of Raw, Carl Anderson has been booked for Crown Jewel. So as of now, the man is double booked way for Saudi Arabia and Japan. 
in Osaka at the same how, time. How far is Riyadh from Osaka? Uh, not enough, uh, or I should say definitely uh, too far <laughs> to make both show. That is impossible. So yeah. it looks like uh, Carl Anderson will not be at Battle Autumn to defend the never openweight championship against Hikuleo, which is, I'm sure there's a very interesting story because throughout the whole last week, New Japan continued to promote that match for November 5th. So it tells you they were of the impression that he was doing the match. Um, hmm. So uh, Unless there is some injury angle uh, for Carl Anderson. I mean, they, like when they brought them back last week, it was like they, this, you're bringing them back for this pay-per-view cycle. Like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to bring these guys back if they're not on this big show coming up. And uh, that was the match set up tonight. I believe it's come out since that, like they were working in new Japan without contracts and yes, that this is something that new Japan was aware of. Um, but yet Carl Anderson seems to indicate that he still has intentions of um, good intentions of, uh, you know, uh, working all the way through Wrestle Kingdom. So even if he doesn't drop it to Hikuleo at this show, I, I mean, I could see him going back and dropping it to him at a different show. Well, it it will be interesting, though, because New Japan's way of doing things is that once a title match is announced, mm-hmm. if you can't make the date, the title is forfeited. Good point. Right. It's it's hmm. not just you. You don't just like remove uh, the match. So that would mean like they they strip him of the of the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like whatever hopes I feel feel like I personally had of like a deeper relationship, working relationship between New Japan and WWE. It doesn't seem to be the case with this, at least to me. All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. And again, we will be back Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time right after Dynamite uh, with a Tuesday night edition of Rewind to Dynamite. And up next, we'll be go- coming out Wednesday where Brayden Davey, they're going to discuss both shows. So look out for up next a day later this week as WWE and AEW throw our schedules out of whack. But tonight, Raw was at the beautiful uh, magical Paycom Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And uh, did you watch this on uh, Sportsnet 360? Yes, uh, on the app. Yeah, on the app. They did quite the job of alerting every Canadian viewer that next week, Raw will be on the Outdoor Light Life Network or streaming online. It will not be on Sportsnet 360 next Monday night. So uh, mm-hmm. constant reminders uh, throughout the broadcast. So that's the uh, the update for Canadian viewers, as I'm sure I will be asked on uh, next Monday afternoon where Raw is airing. The unofficial spokesperson for any wrestling in Canada, John yeah. Pollock. Yes, yes. Direct all your anger. Why doesn't Rampage air on TSN? I'll, I'll tell you why Rampage doesn't air on TSN. This past Friday, they put it on TSN, and it did not do very well on for a one-off uh, airing on, mm-hmm. on Friday. Uh, the show begins, and Bobby Lashley is in the ring, and mid, and he's mid-sentence. It just starts very abruptly, and he's calling out Brock. So Brock comes out, and they get into a brawl ringside, and we get WWE's favorite spot, Lashley putting Lesnar through the barricade, spears him through it. The crowd is chanting for him, and we get we get the muscle out there for the pull-apart. We get Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Akira Tozawa, who is back on Raw, Mustafa Ali, Alpha Academy, and Johnny Gargano. They are the backup security, and they separate the two. And later in the show, they would confirm Lesnar and Lashley for Crown Jewel November 5th. I thought for a second, because I noticed Shelton first, I thought for a second they were going to build up to something with Shelton, just given his connections to both men. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he was up for much beyond 
<laughs> no, this was our Hurt Business reunion that um, those that remember, remember. Um, there was no yeah. reference to this either yeah. other than, hey, that's Cedric and yeah. Shelton. They, they gave a lot to Lashley, you know, for this particular round. And I think pushing these two monsters, just having them say nothing and just attacking each other is always a good idea. I thought it absolutely worked. Kicked the show off with a ton of electricity and uh, made like, you know, this whole time. Uh, I think it really cements Bobby as like a top act, you know, seeing him being able to convincingly beat down a Brock Lesnar. Of course, he's already beaten him. But um, it tells me that like. You know, this U.S. title run, like, certainly didn't hurt him. It it, it helped him and, and, and in fact, uh, helped the title feel more important than a usual secondary title does. Yeah. Did you hear his story about uh, the idea he pitched Vince yeah. McMahon? What a... He wanted to gain 70 pounds to do I... like a, like, like, you know, losing streak angle. And then MVP was going to get him out of that rut. I can't How... picture this guy fat. I just can't imagine him fat. Um, if, if you consider 70 pounds, uh, on, uh, on top of him, he probably fat, looked jacked which, still. He yeah. probably still have abs under, under those extra 70 pounds, but the man, the, the, the confidence in, in the man to gain 70 pounds and then effectively lose it that quickly. I mean, he, he, pro- he obviously, you know, seems to be as somebody who knows his body incredibly well. Maybe 70 is just what he usually balloons up to when he's off training, which is probably never in his life. So I don't know. I would have loved to have seen it. Um, but it, they, they could have told the story without doing that too you know he what is it like that's what brendan fraser did right for this new new movie you see brendan fraser yeah yeah so yeah um uh, a story that we were deprived of under the Vince man regime carl anderson and luke gallows took on alpha academy with aj in the corner they are in fact back as the oc way your favorite the oc yeah, I mean, not a great name. I, I, it's better than the club. And I suppose at this point, um, why make new T-shirts? Why make another logo? Why confuse people even more? Uh, we're not getting the, the Bullet Club IP. <laughs> um, OC, sure. So I will say this, this was a theme throughout the night. These matches, they would begin and like the audience just like hushed during like, a significant portion of a lot of these matches I've, I found. And it's, it's something that, that happens um, not just uh, specific to, to this week, but it felt very noticeable uh, for some of these matches. Um, yeah. Well, John, I'm to me, I, I certainly felt like, I don't know if, if, if it, this episode of raw was that much different, but like this felt more of like the previous era than any raw has and that's not even having to me anything to do with triple h not being there like he put the show together from yeah. what i gather this was very you much know? a paul levesque show but you're, you're right in some cases and some of that as well like you're you're bringing back a character like elias that is a yeah. a throwback from that that time um i i understand what you mean like we got a full out bait and switch with the miz and dexter loomis that they built up all week long uh-huh um, yeah, that is something that they had gotten away from. And to, to me, like week two of seeing Gallows and Anderson back. This without, is their first match back. Yeah. Without the surprise pop, I'm left with a real realization that I have to watch a Gallows and Anderson match. And uh, immediately I just <laughs> I don't sense that much specialness in this. Well, after Otis missed his Otis bomb, Gallows is tagged and Graves calls him a human Cadillac. A human Mm -hmm. Cadillac. 
Otis stops the magic killer, and then Otis goes into the steps. Gable goes for the moonsault, lands on his feet into the ankle lock, and then spine buster by Anderson, and in comes Gallo's magic killer, and they pin Gable. Crowd did react for the finish, but not a whole lot during it. Like, it was just a pretty... Um, standard match that the audience didn't seem all that interested in. And this is like their first match back. It just did not seem uh, for, for a Gable match. I found this to be kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, beyond the surprise pop, uh, what do they have to offer? You know, I know like online, maybe to some people, their personalities are beloved, but certainly that's never been conveyed effectively on WWE TV. Um, so we too, without that surprise, you know, uh, they're, they're just kind of like two generic wrestlers, to be quite honest. Um, I've never really been that impressed with them in ring, and and I wasn't impressed with them here. The Judgment Day came out and make fun of the too sweet. And Priest says he's going to cook them. And then Finn says that he started this club and issues a challenge to the three of them for Crown Jewel as he reaches out with his hand to hold up his invisible testicle. To emphasize crown jewel. Mm, right. Yeah. Just one? He only had the one handout. So mm. it is it, it okay. is singular. It's not the crown jewels. That's, that's okay. So, so yes, mm-hmm. they're fighting at the, the testicle event. Um, Styles accepts, but he wants it right now because Carl's booked in Japan that night. And says, unless you have to ask your mother for permission, referring to Rhea Ripley. So Dominic steps in. You shut your mouth, AJ. I'll wash that thing out with soap. And he threatens to have AJ run off to SmackDown, just like my jefe. And Styles calls him a piece of trash. And then says, you want to talk the walk, but can you walk the walk? And he issues a challenge to Dominic. And Rhea asks Dominic if he's a man. And Dominic is a man. So he says he's going to wipe the floor with AJ. And rip him limb from limb, but not yet, maybe in an hour or so. So AJ is going to do something that his father should have done, beat the piss out of him, as AJ is auditioning to be a guest on uh, your show this Thursday. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, so we got to hear Dom speak a little bit more, and this time without Hefe across from him. And, man, it's, to me... I understand why they're doing it. I, I, I you know, I, I think we're we're suspecting that they're delaying the storyline so that a Ray and Dominic match could peak closer to to a bigger show in, in a few months' time. But man, like immediately, I find him so much more generic. You know, without that, he's just a bad guy rather than just you know a guy a bad guy who turned on his dad. Um, but you know what? It, it's all about getting him that experience, and maybe the time itself is enough to build to the storyline. You know, that's at the finish line. I'll say this, and this was more evident in the match than the promo, but a kind of a lot of the just kind of basic reactions on this show. Like Dominic is one character that these fans really have a dislike for. Like he does get those reactions uh, fr- from people. So when he's I, across from Ray, I still I, find I, him unte- untested when when he's when he's solo. Sure. Okay. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, 
If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. JBL's limo pulls up uh, for a segment later on tonight. And then Bianca Belair and Candice LeRae took on Dakota Kai and EO Sky. So Bailey is out on commentary. And Bailey explains that Damage Control has a combined 45 years of experience together. She also brought up Candice's uh, title run with Indy Hartwell in NXT. It's one of those like... Did you know WWE stats, you know, where we just like stack numbers to create a big number, even though yeah, most people did no not sense. remember their uh, their two month title reign. I'm sure they uh, they have moved on from that. Belair got a hot tag and then we see uh, she lifts Sky um, and then Larray nails her with a missile drop kick off the top. And this was a awkward landing, uh, which was called out by the announcers. Bailey then gets up and she grabs a kendo stick and is stopped by Bel Air and gets tackled over the desk. And Kai and Sky hit their double team finisher, which is just called Devastating by Kevin Patrick as he reacts. And they pin Candice LeRae for the win. Good match. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the, the women's division on Raw continues to feel very fresh. I mean, essentially, it's just Paul bringing back his, his toys and from NXT to, to, but I mean, his toys in NXT were great. And we're getting to see those matches on a weekly basis. So the quality was kept very high here. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed it. I think we skipped the segment before this. Rollins. Oh, we did. We're, I'll just go backwards uh, to the, sure. I, I did. I skipped over the Seth Rollins one. Um, I found the match just kind of basic. I, I kind of feel the opposite in terms of like the freshness that it just feels like we're getting a combination of this, and maybe it's more pronounced now that Alexa and Asuka are, are gone, that it just seems like we're doing this each week. We're doing Bel Air and Bailey again next week, and it just seems like I'm, I'm waiting for the next chapter of, of this because it just seems like we're, we're going in place with Candice LeRae as sort of just thrown in as you know, the one to take the falls in these multi-person matches. Mm. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the segment we skipped over was uh, Seth Rollins coming out uh, with the U.S. title. He tells his haters, kiss my ass. And he said that tapping to Riddle at Extreme Rules was a strategic move so that he could be in the best condition possible to win the U.S. title and do that for his fans last week. <laughs> uh, this is this is a Great proven te- technique. This is why um, many fighters have decided at, at times to to tap rather than, uh, you know, mm-hmm. nut it out. So he is interrupted by Mustafa Ali, who many times on this show was informed of us, uh, is a disruptor here in the WWE universe. And they said it enough times that it looks like he is going to be the disruptor. Nothing like a a a tagline by your your corporate overlords that you are a disruptor. Yeah, it sounds like a like, isn't that like an Elon Musk thing or something? Um, I I don't know if he wants to attach himself to Elon Musk, um, but... Yes, the disruptor here disrupted this segment. And he mentions uh, how Brock was the one that deserves the assist for Rollins winning the title and said how Lashley had promised me the next title shot, which these two had that impromptu match two weeks ago. Lashley beat Ali. I don't know how this was going to lead to a, a title shot, but that's what Lashley had promised him. And Rollins essentially tells him to get out of my ring. And Ali says, I'm your next freaking problem 
So Rollins says, you know what? You're a great wrestler. You're also a great human being, a great father. And as he's complimenting Ali, he nails him, tosses him out. And Ali comes back and jumps him from behind in retaliation. But Rollins comes back yet again and sends him into the post after nailing him in the throat. So boy, did they make Ali here. He gets beaten down once, then jumps this guy from behind and Rollins fights him off again. Well, I mean, he he did at the end of the show get his comeuppance. Yes, or give did. Rollins his comeuppance. Yes, there so, was more to come. I, and I don't mind it here because I think the golf in star power and I think the way that they've been booked up until this point is so big that I was honestly a little surprised that they would even decide to pair Ali with uh, Seth Rollins on screen in, in building a next match. It's it's Ali's next shot. You know, he's had a lot of them now at this point in. Um, a lot of them have not necessarily worked, but we'll see if we can get restarted under Paul Lebeck and see what Lebeck can do with an Ali. I certainly don't think he's going to beat Rollins for the championship, but you know, um, in this little program, can he get over enough that he'll get a sustained role as a babyface on on, on a Raw? I really loved Rollins decking him while in the midst of praising him. You know, it gave him a reason to say nice things about Ali for people who aren't aware that this man has a life outside of wwe main event you know um i hope they continue to tell more of that story but i also just think like punching him in the middle of it is a great heel reason to because like paul Heyman will always like say nice things about other people um but i think it makes more sense when you're saying nice things to get somebody off guard so that you could punch him in the face well you're a very sadistic person so um yeah. I, I guess if that's where i would do goes, <laughs> i'll be aware kathy kelly in the most serious voice asks Matt Riddle, uh, do you have a response to Seth freaking Rollins' actions? They have to get rid of freaking, okay? It has to go. It is just, it just, it, it ruins a serious moment every time they've got to call him. At least in interviews, you know, like keep it on the t-shirts and maybe keep it even in the announcement. But like when you're trying to have a conversation. She said this deadpan, like, can you yeah. give us a response to the actions of Seth freaking uh, Rollins? It's branding, you know, it's, um, ugh. Uh, I don't know. Nobody should have like an, an adjective attached to their name um, formally. Imagine they just went all out and USA said, you know what? As of this week, he's Seth fucking Rollins. Okay. That'd Imagine be... she had to say that seriously every week. Yeah. Matt Riddle, we just saw a um, a terrible attack. <laughs> the the great father, the great human being, Mustafa Ali. Can you give us any kind of reaction to the, the heinous actions of one Seth fucking Rollins. That'd make, that'd make it way better. Yeah. Rollins went on about hoverboards and he's going to beat Rollins ass tonight. And then he sees Ali and he offers Ali a title shot if he wins tonight. And then they turn their attention to the Miz, who is just on the floor screaming, holding his knee, stating that he slipped on the floor after a janitor had mopped the floor and left the water on the floor. So more of this to come with the, the Miz saga. Then there was a SmackDown promo, Logan Paul showing up on Friday's SmackDown. I will say this many weeks into promoting this whole thing, this Roman Reigns-Logan Paul match, it does not feel big in any way right now to me. They've got several right. weeks to build it up. I just don't sense this one having a whole lot of oomph behind it. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't really help the fact that like both of them are making sporadic appearances. Um, I, I suspect they'll ramp it up a little bit more, but I also don't necessarily feel like it's a feud specifically targeting us 
Like I, you know, like is this connecting at all with a Logan Paul audience, with an audience who might know about Logan Paul but not necessarily about WWE? Um, I don't know. Well, I think the key will be the type of media that they might do around this. So, and beyond that, I mean, it's 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 a Saudi Arabia show. So, like, what 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 exactly is the aim beyond pleasing the people paying for this? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I just think like the idea of doing you know your your big star against a quote unquote celebrity. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel this one is catching. Um, and maybe it's just like the miscasting of Logan Paul that I'm sure even in his home state this Friday, I'm sure it's going mm-hmm. to be the same that we've seen in all the other cities as well um, yeah. that they have to fight. Cora Jade approaches the Judgment Day and she gets Rhea Ripley says, uh, do you want to do you want to come to NXT tomorrow night and take on Roxanne Perez? And Ripley's like, OK, so on my day off tomorrow. Um, I'd have so many questions like how, when do I have to get on a flight? Am I getting paid for this? Like I would have so many questions and Ripley just agreed to this. Just, I would be so inconvenienced. Like you're telling me this the night before no preparation. I've got plans. I'm here working. I have to now go to Florida tomorrow. We're in Oklahoma. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no thanks. Give me Maybe some notice next time. It's got to be implied that you know you'll you'll make a certain fee per appearance, perhaps. I don't know about that. Um, hmm. Anyway, so she she agreed. She got her this. This was a text. I don't know if Cora Jane needed to fly all the way to Oklahoma City for this. Like Ripley seemed more than hmm. willing to take this, and this was a very very brief interaction. Hmm. Yeah, she, they they um. They have history, Rhea and um, uh, Raquel, of course. You know, they 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 had that last woman standing match in NXT together. And there are some great video packages setting that one up, explaining their entire history at the Performance Center together. Uh, they even have matching tattoos with one another. So I think both of these two are, are very good choices. Again, I don't necessarily think it'll contribute to any sort of significant difference in, in the ratings for NXT. Are they but- both going to win? There's um, no way Ripley is losing. There's no way Ripley is losing. Like maybe I, I she gets disqualified. Maybe she gets disqualified for just killing her. They'll come up with something creative, I'm sure. But because the whole point I, of this is, well, the point of this is to win on Tuesday night. The secondary priority is building up a match for Saturday. Sure. Yes. A uh, match for Saturday. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, I wonder if we'll see any interaction between Rhea and and Raquel. I mean, the way they they kind of positioned it here was Rhea recognizing that. Cora's breakup with uh, um, uh, Roxanne is very similar to her rivalry with Raquel. So I imagine you might get some sort of interaction and maybe something down the road with the two of them on the main roster. Maybe we'll have a brand split, but you can meet on NXT. So maybe we'll have a Mm -hmm. Dominic Ray uh, meeting on NXT at some point. I mean... That's where you have to go. You kind of joke talk with I, the enemy. You kind of, I know you're kind of saying that in just because the brand split doesn't exist anymore. But I, I, I think that would have been a wonderful device. In fact, like anytime they've they've created those titles that can go between brands, like the NXT or so the WWE Women's Championships, I, I always thought there was incredible storytelling to be had with somebody wanting to win those belts to be able to see somebody on the other side, like when Mandy Rose had to break up with Otis. And her wanting to win the championships to go, I don't know, see Otis on the other brand, for instance. Like, that would have been kind of interesting. 
JBL is out for his big announcement, and he's being all serious at the beginning, and then he totally heals on Oklahoma, and this crowd is just livid. I thought JBL was hilarious here. He despises this state, and every one of you says Rey Mysterio left Raw because he's a deadbeat dad who wears a mask because he's ashamed of himself. But Rey leaving has led to a trade. This was not a a trade on Friday, Way. This was a... the man's been moved to SmackDown so he doesn't quit and go home. Now it's a trade that they made. Well, did, did, who, who did Paul Levesque have to negotiate with to come up with a fair trade? Himself? Fox and USA, of course, the representatives, the robots okay. in that room. Right. All right. So, um, well, then, boy, do you really get, position the he- USA Network as the key negotiators in this whole thing? Okay, you guys take well, Rey Mysterio. We want Baron Corbin. Hey, we man, don't want Happy Corbin. We want Baron Corbin. Maybe we're just talking about salary, you know, like maybe there's a budget cap for either brand and he just had to shift con- raise contract there. And I could buy that maybe somebody like Baron Corbin might be making the same amount as Rey Mysterio at this point. So JBL's character is essentially um, the Vince McMahon uh, mindset of big stars mean big guys. And that is why Baron Corbin is the modern day wrestling god. And it's not he brags- even that big. Was it necessarily size that I think is you know the reason why he's attached to Corbin? Well, like- he said he, he's two to three times the size of Rey Mysterio, and then went off on Dolph Ziggler. And most of the locker room wouldn't make it in the, in his era because they're all small and would give Hornswoggle a run for his money. Is Ziggler that small? Like Ziggler is like, you know, pretty moderately sized. Like he's that like he's probably similar size to Sean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 kind of logic is that? Well, he's he's comparing it to his Ray Ray is the, the, the main thing, you know, like he's it seems like they might be building up something deeper with 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 uh, JBL and Ray. They they kept bringing him up about how Ray was the one to to release him, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I just sense that it was more about you know um, people not making it in the Attitude Era, and somehow Baron Corbin would have. Realistically, any of these guys could have, you know, um, talent wise, but sure, maybe not size. Not just the Attitude Era. Baron Corbin, he said, could have made it in any era, including that of Gotch, Hackenschmidt, Bruno Sammartino. Or Hulk Hogan. Baron Corbin could have succeeded in October of 1983 in the WWF. Yeah, I wonder if he could have fit on that show. Certainly, Dude, he, he would have been uh, Satoru Sayama in comparison to some <laughs> of the people on this card we're going to review on 19, from 1983. Uh-huh. Yeah. So JBL's on commentary and just destroys Kevin Patrick for the duration of this match, calling him Shamrock, and just cuts him off at, at every turn. He says... Like, he's pretty much just playing the the online crotchety heel, stating, if you spend 10 years on the indies, you're a loser. I didn't, and neither did Corbin. And Ziggler doesn't make the cut in the Attitude Era. Uh, Corbin would make it in any era. So they had a match. Um, He then states, no disrespect to Ziggler. He's good for this era. And he hits a famouser on Corbin, kicks, kicks out, then blocks a zigzag, deep six, and JBL says that Graves replaced the guy behind the bum-ass Corbin chants, as they were referring to Pat McAfee, who was on the other show. And then Ziggler hits the zigzag, Corbin kicks out, so there goes his finisher, and then catches the super kick, end of days, and Corbin wins. 
Mm-hmm. I found Ziggler to be a bit of an odd choice just because like he's somebody who's so tenured. I almost think of him as from the Attitude Era at this point because he's just he's just feels like he's been there forever. Um, I also don't I mean, if the point is to like, you know, make fun of guys that are smaller, I feel like you could have gone with a whole lot of other people. Um, and beyond that, I feel like I've seen Corbin versus Ziggler so often, even if like I could look up their cage match record and probably like they've all, they might have only wrestled five times. But it just seems like it's a combination that I would have seen 50 times because like they're, they've both been on SmackDown forever, it feels like. So I wasn't that interested at all in the match, but I was certainly interested on co- on the on JBL on commentary. You know, for all I, I can probably say about how much I probably don't like that the person in, 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 in you know real life i think he's a fantastic professional wrestling heel on the microphone and he had great heel energy here uh first in the promo and then on uh commentary he was very funny as sh- he appears to be as sharp as ever on the mic and i really like the idea of, of, of him coming in as a heel manager i just don't know why they chose baron corbin to attach him to you know, Baron Corbin, somebody who, who they've not, they've never been afraid to give a microphone and somebody who I feel like has been a manager for other people in Baron Corbin. So like, it's not like physically he's so intimidating that like, I think he would benefit from having a a mouthpiece either. So this combination, other than I think the fact that I don't know, they were both, they were both rich at one time, um, really confuses me. Yeah, I mean, the way they kind of pitched Corbin is that, like, this guy is the next coming, the future. And it's like, here's a guy we've, like, has been in the system for a decade and just seems, uh, you know, has been on the main roster for, you know, six plus years. And you have seen him in every incarnation possible. Um, yeah, I mean, you you can see, like, the the connection that you make between these two characters. Um We'll see where they go with this. Like I've always just seen Corbin. Like he's a, he's a fine part of the show, but it, it's not as a as a high level guy. Uh, and we'll see how far they man. they pushed us. And his new outfit is awful. Like he just starts like the man just keeps looking worse and worse. You know. JBL had quite the pants on. Did you see that? I think it was. It uh, felt really baggy. I don't know if he was very, like shrunking or. Yeah, but like looked what like the a. Fuck it? Can you talk? Can we talk about this look that Baron Corbin has? Okay, so he's kept the the hat, and then he's um he's got a leather vest on. Underneath, he's got the G unit tank, but now like it's like decorated. Oh man! And look at these pants; like they look like they're like he they're flesh toned on the outside, and then like sort of like um like like he's wearing an apron. Looks like he's wearing a vest, a G unit tank on the inside. And then nothing but an apron on his bottoms. It looks like Seth Rollins from five years ago got recruited by Tony D'Angelo. Exactly. Just doesn't. And and then the fedora on top just doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense. It's awful. Wow. I I was more focused on JBL's uh, suit, which looked like, you know, what Bobby Lashley would have needed when he uh, put on his 70 pounds with with those pants. (laughs) They were quite the baggy they pants. They seemed like he might have forgotten his pants and had to borrow somebody else's. The Miz is being checked on by the trainer, and Saxton says that the custodial staff saw him pouring water on the floor, and the records, the records state that the floor has not been mopped since last night. 
They mm-hmm. tied this in. This was more logic than we have seen for, for many things in raw storytelling. They brought the receipts. And then Gargano is outside and yells, Dexter Loomis! And Miz leaps to his feet, proving that the knee is fine. Yeah, yeah. So they've we've shifted Johnny Gargano now into the Miz, or sorry, into a, yeah, a, a feud with the Miz as sort of like a, I don't know, a, a, a mouthpiece for Dexter Loomis. And um, I don't know. Um, I'm happy that we're getting some real progression with this Dexter Loomis Miz thing. They're introducing some sort of like a secret that you know Miz has to tell now. But um, I hate seeing Johnny Gargano kind of be being roped into such a. I don't know, fake, cartoonish, spooky gimmick, you know? Well, once he was out with the uh, the security geeks, I think that, that kind of told the tale at the beginning of this show. MVP and Omos are coming to SmackDown on Friday, uh, not to disparage Braun Strowman, but to celebrate him. And Omos is going to look down at Braun and show him that monsters aren't real, but giants are as they continue to build towards that match. Then they replayed the Bray Wyatt segment again with the, uh, the clever raw coming up uh, as though Bray was going to be on the show. Then the OC are approached by Cameron Grimes, who recruits them for NXT on Tuesday night and argue over cash versus crypto. And AJ Styles takes on Dominic Mysterio. And Dominic is in control at the beginning of this match. Ripley gets in his face on the floor, allowing Dominic to hit a high cross and get some heat here. He does the slingshot senton that Eddie Guerrero would always do. I mean, the man is just playing Eddie Guerrero with his mannerisms and moves. Um, Three amigos onto AJ, and then AJ returns, hits a pump handle gut buster, and gets to the calf crusher. Dominic makes the rope, and then the seconds on the floor, they get involved. Ripley grabs AJ's leg, and this allows Dominic to roll him up. Dominic Mysterio pins AJ Styles. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Felt like a pretty long match, you know? And uh, I don't know if it carried my interest that much, but a big win for Dominic via, you know, uh, nefarious means. So, yeah, sure. Why not? The Miz was with Gargano, and this is where Gargano says he knows the real story. And if you want out of the match, just tell the truth, and then Loomis will stop. And so that's Miz's way out. But Miz then threatens to come after Gargano once he's done with Loomis. So Dexter Loomis makes his entrance. So for a guy with no contract, he was treated like quite the contracted performer coming out here with his own uh, Tron and music. And he's uh, nailed by multiple chair shots by the Miz. And he goes down, skull crushing finale onto the chair. And more on that later. First, uh, Byron Saxton is with damage control. They just state they got rid of Bliss and Asuka. They warn Raquel and Shotzi, who they're defending the tag titles against on SmackDown. And Bel Air did not pin Bailey at Extreme Rules, which begs the question what the point of a ladder match was. And therefore, she gets a rematch next week. Right. Yeah. Um, Why would you accept the ladder match? If extreme you're Rules? I guess so. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's just heel logic, isn't it? You know, it's, it should count. Bailey but it's sound logic. She's getting she's getting her rematch. Right. Yeah. Um, I think B- B- Bianca Belair has just shown to be somebody who, you know, is is willing to accept any challenge no matter what. Um, so all you have to do to get a title shot is just say, I want. So the Miz comes backstage and there is Johnny Gargano 
stating that was a bad move and Dexter Loomis is not going to stop. And Gargano asks, what's the worst that could happen if you tell the truth? You get canceled, you lose your house, and he's got a whistle around his neck and he threatens to blow the whistle if The Miz doesn't come clean. So it feels like they just came up with this idea and they had to delay the match and now it's going to be built around this secret that Miz is holding that could get him canceled. Yeah, yeah. So we finally have like a point to this whole Dexter Loomis-Miz thing. Loomis isn't just somebody who just, I don't know, loves stalking children and things like that. Um, He's doing it out of revenge, it sounds like. Shouldn't Dexter Loomis be canceled? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, what is the secret? You know, we've got a, ourselves a bit of a mystery. Uh, we're done with the white rabbit. We're moving on to what is Dexter Loomis's secret or sorry, the Miz's secret that Dexter wants to reveal. So if doesn't Dexter Loomis know the secret? Yeah. So why wouldn't he just, out the secret like wouldn't that be punishment for the Miz well I mean it's he he wants the Miz to admit to it I suppose you know well he's tried that for two months and it hasn't happened so do you really it obviously but he's so close he's that's why he asked Johnny he asked Johnny to help okay I don't know if this has been the best plot for uh, Dexter Loomis (laughs) no it hasn't John it's I think it's been pretty awful it's been it's been the worst thing on the show for like two months now. Well, we'll get at least another month out of it. Elias is in the ring. He says that his younger brother's career was tragically cut short. But in our family, we have a saying, the show must go on. And he's got a special song that he wants to play on his keyboard, but he might get choked up. So as he goes to play, Matt Riddle interrupts him and he comes out with bongos to set up the joke of him asking Elias if he wants to hit his bong. Because weed so he starts the walk with Elias song and riddle man on this show if, if you thought that the build-up to extreme rules and the seth rollins program was trying to separate riddle from more of the stoner character this show was a big update on going right back to matt riddle at his most annoying i found man i guess i never felt that you know um i think they they wanted to make him he 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 could still be serious you know they want to make him the stoner who gets serious i guess yeah, I don't know. I, this version of Riddle on this show with like the hoverboards and then this segment, it was just a um, – to me, it was a, a step back where I thought that they were moving more towards a, kind of a not it's super all, serious angle, but – But I'm of the opinion of that, that it's kind of all he has. You know, like I don't exactly think he has that much range as like a, a performer, and without it, you can argue he he doesn't have as much of a personality. Well, Elias starts playing on the keyboard, and now Rollins cuts him off, and that takes us to our U.S. title match, and Riddle is constantly going for the triangle. He tries it immediately. Uh, Floating bro, bro Derek for a two-count. Rollins hit an inverted superplex off the top, and then goes up for a frog splash, landing in the triangle, and he tries a powerbomb. He can't break it. Buckle bomb, sit out, still applied, and then finally gets to the rope. And then Rollins is on the floor, and he tells Elias to hit him, which would therefore disqualify qualify riddle but elias won't do it so rollins super kicks elias and then the rko is blocked elias runs into the ring and riddle is shoved into elias leading to a stomp and rollins retains in 1448 and then hits a stomp onto elias so rollins Mm -hmm. retains 
in ring, like it's a good match as you can always expect from these two. Um, this one though, I think tying in a lot of Elias into it, which, um, which is an interesting choice and not a choice I would have gone with. I, I feel like this Bobby Lashley U.S. title run made promises of just like hot matches, you know, like it's going to be the workers championship. And this is like, we're going to get a Seth Rollins showcase every single week and injecting somebody like an Elias in here on top of this match. It just kind of feels like it's more just your typical, you know, WWE raw sort of, um, I don't know, device where, where the title and, and the sanctity of these sort of matches ultimately don't really matter. Um, this seems to set up the Ali match, but I also feel like it, it's probably setting up something with Elias maybe in the future, just because of how much he got involved here. So um, that's your sort of uh, roster, I guess we're playing with this. This Elias first week was really strange to me. Like, I don't. I feel like they were expecting everybody to react to him the same way, like as they always did years ago. But I don't think they did at all. I don't think they responded at all to like the teases of the song and the cutoffs of the song. Um, it also seems like they're promoting pushing him as a babyface, which is arguably like unnatural for the type of character that that it is, and, and not as good as when he's a heel. And all the stuff at the end, I I'm not that excited for either. Well, maybe he's going to try and play this heartfelt song week after week, and he's going to be driven to his breaking point where he's interrupted. By what? What do you mean? By people. People interrupting his uh, his keyboard playing. He's going to try and he wants to play this song. It means a lot to him. Right. So every week it's just a different person interrupting? Maybe. It sounds okay. very very yeah, dull uh, to play that out, but maybe that, that is the direction we go with Elias. I don't mm-hmm. know. Didn't leave a strong impression on me. Afterwards, he went for another stomp to Riddle, but Ali runs out and cleans house on Rollins, tope suicida, and sends Rollins retreating and ends it yelling, I'm a problem. I'm a fucking problem. I'm your problem. So it looks like Rollins and Ali, that I would think is going to happen at Crown Jewel, is the direction it seems to be uh, headed towards. And that was Monday's edition of Raw at the Paycom Center. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's probably my least favorite raw since, you know, I've, uh, the, um, at least I, since I came back to watch, watch the show, um, it just really didn't feel that special to me. You know, what, what's been carrying it in recent weeks has been the Ray Dominic storyline. And unfortunately that's been put on hold, no edge, um, to even further the Beth Phoenix thing that they, and understandable, but you know, no emotional peak like that. Um, Gallows and Anderson at this point I just are Gallows and Anderson in week two. Not that, very that match took a lot out of you right at the beginning, didn't it? It's just nothing. Like you, I mean, once once the the you know big appeal of the surprise is gone, you're just reminded. Oh yeah, like it's fucking Luke Gallows in a wrestling ring, you know, on national TV in 2022. And then like this shit with Elias, you're reminded that it's Elias. You know, I was far more interested, in fact, in what they were doing with Ezekiel. Than just what feels like a you know retread of the Elias of old, and beyond that, I just didn't sense much about the show to like. Yeah, a lot of it was you know setting up Tuesday as well. Like there was quite a lot more emphasis on NXT than than most weeks. But mm-hmm. they're not concerned with what other people are doing. It's you know we we're just doing our own thing in our own lane. Just well, happens I, I, that th- this week all our stories culminated in these main roster appearances yeah. on Tuesday night. It just happens to be the same night that we have a wrestling competitor. But for a team, for, for like, if they're actually trying, I don't exactly know how hard they're trying. Who are they putting on this show, John? They're putting Raquel 
they're putting Rhea Ripley and the Good Brothers, okay? Like, if you didn't have enough Doc, Doc Gallows on your Monday night, you can watch them on Tuesday, too. Is that really going to make any difference in the well, rating? In the immortal words of Paul Levesque, you beat our developmental brand. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. Then why try it all? They should have done nothing. Listen, it's a, it's a sprint, not a marathon way. Uh, we will now go to uh, any feedback uh, that, that people have. Uh, whether yeah. they be the Super Chats or the forum. Forum.postwrestling.com. Care to start us off, John? I will. We have one piece of feedback here. Saeed from <laughs> Vancouver. Ali versus Seth's feud should be fun. Finally, something for Ali to do. Do we have any kind of update on where Kevin Owens is? Uh, do not know uh, the, the status of one Kevin Owens. Do you guys think there's a chance WWE changes the crown jewel six-man tag to Finn versus AJ to allow Carl Anderson to fulfill his match with New Japan? I think they can do the six-man tag at Survivor Series or even on Raw. I don't um, think they're going to do shit to allow Carl Anderson to – like they don't give a shit about like whether why, why would you set this match up to begin with? Carl Anderson. Anderson faces Hikuleo. They don't care about the never open weight championship. They're going to do whatever they want to do. Okay. And if New Japan has to suffer for it, then they should have signed him to a contract earlier. Why did they book this match knowing that this man was not signed? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's a risk that New Japan took. Like you would think like you could, um, you know, you thought that this match was going to happen, but it's, you know, you kind of left yourself idle there. And uh, it would seem based on this matchmaking that, it's unlikely that match will happen on on that date, uh, if if at all. Like it's um, if he you know. does, if he catches, like if he's an opening match on the Crown Jewel, and gets on a private plane and flies to Osaka for no, the the, the, the New Japan show is first. Oh, it's first. Okay, then there's like no they'll way. probably there's that no show way. will be around like five thirty a.m. and this show's at like noon. It's uh, like yeah, it's, there's, there's no there's, there's no physical there's no way. way. Yeah. Yeah. No. So anyway, um, thanks, Saeed, for uh, the, the feedback. We're back on Tuesday night with uh, Rewind to Dynamite. How is my voice sounding, Way? You know, it's held up a, a lot better than, than I thought. So, okay, and I want to thank you, John, because I know it's probably not easy trying to. At the 40-minute mark, it was starting to uh, tap out on me. So I've been struggling this last uh, half hour. But we made it to the end of uh, tonight's uh, edition. So rewind to uh, Dynamite on Tuesday night and then rewind away on Wednesday. You can still post feedback up on the forum. And of course, all roads lead to QXT's nightclub. Saturday, November 19th. Tickets at postwrestling.com slash live. Get those VIP tickets before they're all gone. Because believe me, folks, it is going to be the largest indoor attendance of post-wrestling members ever under one roof. Is that a guarantee? I guarantee it. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind to Raw.